don't really care. Like if people are judging that I'm talking about ways to take care of your liver, then like that's on them. Like I'm genuinely trying to help people and I know that I genuinely am helping people. So 100%. When you know your intention behind what you're doing, you generally get to a point where you just don't care. Like I couldn't care less what I share on social media anymore. Welcome back to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May and I'm here with Kirsty again. We did a podcast on health and fitness industry tips um, for people who are just starting out or just thinking about going into the industry. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to part one of this little series, then go back and listen to that and then come back and listen to these questions. These are the questions we popped on our Instagram as a sticker. Uh, Kirsty, do you want to start with the questions you got? Yeah, sounds good. So first one I got was, did you only start it based on your own health journey? So you know what? It's funny because we were talking about this in the the last episode. I definitely, yeah, I definitely got into studying nutrition based on like my own health issues and just like, yeah, a lot of issues over the years and overcoming them and then being like, oh, I want to learn more about this. That's why I started studying it. And then overcoming my own issues throughout university and learning more and more and like I said in the previous episode was just like being like oh my gosh this doesn't have to be that hard like I don't have to limit myself from eating every food and just eat lettuce leaves to lose weight um Mm -hmm. and things like that so I definitely and then was like I want to be able to share share this with people and I also want to have the opportunity just to run my own business and not be told what to do by someone um so that was, yeah, definitely from my own health journey. I definitely wanted to get into running my own business. That's for sure. What about you, Eb? Yeah, 100%, the exact same. Um, and it's not the only reason. Like I'm just so passionate about it, but my passion was <laughs> spurred by my own personal journey. So it's yes. kind of a similar situation. I started wanting like initially wanted to lose a little bit of weight and then thought that I had to be really mm-hmm. restrictive and then I fell in love with nutrition and fitness and now more side um, more of the mental health and wellness aspect but mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. I'm not in it just for my own personal journey but it definitely yeah, spurred no. that because I think it once you can resonate with people on on their level it it makes a huge difference I think yes, for example we were that's... talking in the last episode about our different niches like if somebody comes to me with problematic skin I know how they feel and mm-hmm. that's not something you can get all the time Yes, I think that's one thing I actually, as a health professional, I always want to make my clients feel really safe and comfortable, but also like, you know, when you like go to a health professional and you just feel really like, I don't know, I don't, I haven't really experienced this too many times, but I've spoken to people where they feel really judged and they don't feel like there's nothing more of a better feeling when you talk to someone and they can relate to you and they're like, I can totally relate. I totally understand what you're going through. And just that feeling, like I even had a friend of a friend who was seeing someone being hypnotized by someone for an alcohol addiction and he just felt really judged by the health professional. Um, And, you know, the person just couldn't relate or understand. I'm not saying that you can't be a health professional and help people if you haven't been through their problems because that's not physically possible. Like it's impossible for one person to have been through a million health issues. But just Mm -hmm. being able to relate to them and make them feel really comfortable I think is really important um, as a health professional and never Yeah, being able to – yeah, coming from a place um, of non-judgment. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, next question was, how do you get over the fear of speaking on your socials? 
that one is definitely practice. Hey, like, um, I remember the first time speaking and all I could say, I even remember I was on the, on your first podcast ever. I was like, um, um, <laughs> but, um, I feel like it's one of those things. Yeah. It's just practice. Like you just have to show up and it's, you just got to think like, no, like one thing my friend said to me once, he was like, cursed, no one is going to be speaking about you in five years time. If it doesn't matter in five years time, what does it matter? No one's going to be like, Oh my God, do you remember five years ago when Kirsty put up the Instagram story showing her breakfast and talking about it? Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just a practice thing. Like you, you, you get better and better at it. And like the first few times you're just going to have to deal first, maybe 10 times you have to deal with being awkward and saying, I'm a lot. And then you just realize that everyone's human and people actually appreciate you showing up as you and being authentic, true self. Um, so yeah, that would be my advice about that. What about you, Eb? Well, yeah, exactly what you said. And adversely, like in five years, it's not going to matter those people. But if you don't do Mm -hmm. it in five years, will you regret not doing it? And that's what Mm -hmm. I go off. Like I absolutely love speaking on my Instagram and neither of us have like heaps and heaps and heaps of followers. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not about that. Um, And I think that it's a lot of like, there's a lot of tall poppy syndrome in Australia in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, like I honestly am in a place now and I did not, I wasn't always in this place, but I don't really care. Like if people are judging that I'm talking about um, ways to take care of your liver, then like that's on them. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm genuinely yes. trying to help oh. people and I know that I genuinely am helping people. So 100%. When you know your intention behind what you're doing, you generally get to a point where you just don't care. Like I couldn't care less what I share on social media anymore and if I sound stupid or do you know what I mean? Like you just get to a point where you, yeah, no, no care in the world. Hmm. And a girl from high school could laugh that I talk about poor my Instagram, but like I might be helping somebody <laughs> who's been chronically constipated. So exactly um okay what is your least favorite thing about the industry oh that's an interesting that's a really good question I'm trying to think about that my least favorite I'll go thing. I've got one yeah, um, you go you go you go I and uh, I talk about this all the time there's quite a few things that I don't love but like nothing more than this is like the fact that I, anyone can call themselves a nutritionist technically yeah that's what I was thinking about yeah <laughs> like that yeah, freaking definitely. kills me <laughs> yeah I like oh, it, it used to it never used to and then it did a little bit and then it doesn't as much these days I mean I get frustrated sometimes when I have to deal with the aftermath of someone who's been dealing with someone who calls themselves like a nutritionist that's frustrating or when you see people get put on these like crazy like freaking juice like 10 day juice fast or things like that um you know and from someone who's not qualified at all um and I think yeah I think that's really just the biggest point is it's not a regulated word in Australia and then I sometimes get like frustrated I haven't really witnessed this but one of my friends does and I know I might cop some hate for saying this (laughs) but then we also as nutritionists we can get hate from people that do our masters in our course for being like underqualified like, have you ever heard mm. much of that? Yeah. <laughs> like, that can be sometimes annoying. I'm like, look, we've been done it like a whole bachelor degree as well. Like, and look, each their own, like, no judgment here. But yeah, that's sometimes like probably one thing I don't like about our industry as well. And mm. sorry, the last thing I'll say is it's never black and white. And people want a black and white answer. And nutrition just isn't. And the amount of research, like, 
funding that goes into research is just not there a lot of time. So things can't be necessarily always backed up with really solid sound evidence. And when you're working in a clinical perspective, as long as you've got the first initiative of do no harm, you're allowed to, you know, use studies that may not have ridiculously high evidence. Um, you know, it might show this statistical significance, but not across a large population size. And yes, you wouldn't go give that kind of advice out of your Instagram at all at a population level. But if it's a safe situation and you know the client's background and perspective, it's actually okay to do those things. Um, mm. But that's another area. It's just a really a lot of grey in the world of nutrition. There's no black and white. Um, and what works for one doesn't work for another. So that's why it's just, yeah, a lot of grey. <laughs> and do you ever get like family or friends on the spot be like, oh, our potato's healthy? And like you start to explain like, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't eat them all the time in terms of micronutrient density. They're not. And then they're like, but are they healthy? Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like constantly when I'm surrounded by my friends and family and they ask me questions, they have such a short attention span. I try and like explain like nutrient absorption, all that sort of stuff. Because I I can't, I will never give just like a black and white answer because they don't exist. So that's so funny that you said that because I struggle with that so much. Yeah, so do I. Or like friends and family will come to you asking for help. I don't have this problem too much, but and they won't listen to you either. Like they'll be like, they'll like say, well, I heard this from this, like from a magazine or something like that. And you're like, well, I'm telling you, the answer. Oh my <laughs> like god, my dad is a perfect example. He's like, oh, I can just ride it up on the bike. And I was like, Dad, that's not the point. You need to still need to eat healthy, and he's eating like a croissant or something. I mean, that's not overweight, but he just exercises ridiculous amounts. I'm like, Dad. You can't just go eat that. And he's like, no, I can just write it off. And then he comes to me the next day. He's like, oh, Curtis, I read this really interesting article. And I'm like, yeah, I just told you that yesterday. And you'll like believe it over the article than me. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. My brother and I have those conversations all the time. And like, it comes back to, because I strongly believe that whole like clients are not robots thing. And you'd have to take, there's a lot of like nuance to the situation, a lot of context to every situation that you have to take into account, especially when you're dealing with clients and people don't expect that. Um, so yeah, 100%, I resonate with that too. And the other point that you made, like when I was in my first year, I, cause they put all the nutritionists and dietitian students together because it's only the last year that's different. And one of the girls asked if I studied dietitian, um, dietetics or mm-hmm. nutrition. And I was like, Oh, I study nutrition. She's like, Oh, didn't you get into dietetics? Oh my God. Yes. That's another <laughs> thing. Hey. Oh no. <laughs> Like, oh my god you're so rude like to me like this is such a generalization I hope no one's listening oh who cares um they were such <laughs> jerks like majority of the dietetic students in my year oh my god all the nutrient all my nutrition friends and I were like whoa they're so patronizing yeah, yeah. See, so that's arid. the one thing I don't know about you but one thing I really found at university like studying nutrition undergrad was there's always a lot of hate against like like, and don't get me wrong, I totally agree with, like, influencers and stuff like that who aren't educated and, like, promoting things. But I always just felt like there was a lot of hate towards everything. And I also felt like a lot of people, once again, I felt like a lot of, <laughs> probably shouldn't say this, I was studying with a lot of people that weren't genuinely passionate about what they were doing, if that makes sense. Like, I had people mm-hmm. in my cohort, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, and once again, I'm going to pop hate for saying this, but people eating chips, like, fried chips every day for lunch and just, like, don't actually care about what they're like didn't practice what they preach if that makes sense and 
I don't follow them around all day, so I can't say that they don't eat a healthy diet, but I just it just seemed a very different approach to what I believe in, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And what is your uh, opinion on influencers being in the health and nutrition space? Because I feel like I – like obviously – and I go back – go from that same thing, like do no harm, and I think that there are quite a few influencers who spread detrimental messages to young women. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, a lot of influencers – They just, they have a large influence. And when they're influencing a healthy message, like I have no issue Mm -hmm. with that whatsoever. And it really bothers me when people try and degrade them and act like they're dumb. I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like the reality is as well, I shouldn't, I don't know if I should say this, but (laughs) like (laughs) someone can have just as much knowledge as someone with a degree, but yes, they don't have a piece of paper. And I think like there can be some really good influences out there that yes, they might be promoting I can't talk, promoting fashion and things like that, but they can also be promoting some really good things. And I just think it's really easy for like health professionals to be like so disregarding like, of every influencer being like they're a bad influence, like blah, blah, blah. Like they just promote stuff that's not right and et cetera, et cetera. But it's not the case with every single person. Like I know you've had some really cool influences on your channel and stuff like that. And I think they can use like their audience to the greater good and help educate women, but it's just, like whether they do or not is the question. Like for instance, yeah. like Sarah's day, like she's not qualified at all yet. She promotes an amazing message. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Okay. Next question because I feel like we get so sidetracked. Um, okay. We do. Where did you learn to write meal plans, and what extra study did you do, and where? Um. So me, I've learned everything through Endeavor College, pretty much, and also just trial and error. To be honest with you, like I. I got textbooks and I, um, trial and error, like I, like, and then endeavour. So, yeah, just literally doing things and being like, okay, this doesn't work for this client. Like I've always, I've lived and breathed nutrition for like the last seven, eight years. Like, so I've been doing things and trialling things. Like I tried every diet under the sun by the age of like, (laughs) by the age of like 20. And so I've always been like obsessed and so interested in health. So I already had an a ridiculously good background if that makes sense and then like then obviously just being like okay this works well with clients this doesn't work well with clients and then I'm so lucky that my sister studies in Endeavour so I've learned lots of stuff off her um and so it's kind of a mixture of all those things but I would say for someone who's coming from a university you would that it would just be trial and error and just start practicing on your family and things like that and you'll and we did learn a little bit in, at university on how to write meal plans, actually. Mm, did you do FoodWorks? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good program because that one, um, you actually look at, like, you know, the minerals and everything, like the calcium intake and all that sort of stuff. I find that's really good. And when we were practising mm-hmm. doing meal plans, um, and this is why I think there needs to be more education around people who are writing meal plans. You shouldn't just take one off the um, internet because it it can really be the best form of treatment. Like if you get somebody's results and like, I'm not in clinic, so I don't do this, but in university, like you could just like, you'd get this um, uh, sample client who mm-hmm. might have like iron deficiency, who might struggle to get um, calcium in, for example, you can actually find a diet. Um, and when I say diet, I just mean like what they're actually eating, not an actual diet. Um, mm-hmm. You can formulate a meal plan for them that addresses all of those different things um, down mm-hmm. to those like minerals and micronutrients and stuff like that. Um, so I feel like 
wait, what was I even saying? Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, I don't make meal plans at the moment. I don't want to because as a PT, no. majority of people who come to me, they are for weight loss and I just I just preach the um, the whole like eat whole foods, um, try and like remove like processed foods from your diet. And if you're just doing, yes. if, you've, if you haven't been doing that and then you start doing that, you combine that with exercise, you will lose weight. Like there's yeah. no two ways about it. And this is this is the thing where I always instill to this day. I'm still quite torn sometimes. So every single one of my clients that walks through my door, who wants to lose weight, my first point is whole foods. That's their first task. And sometimes for some people, it depends how far ahead of them. Sometimes some of them will give them like amount of protein they want to be eating per meal, because obviously protein um, gives you satiety, so you stay full for long. So I always make sure they're getting enough protein. But it depends where someone's level at. So if someone's coming to me. I had one client, you know, eating McDonald's five, six times a week. I'm not going to be getting them to measure their protein at this point. Their first point, not even is portion sizes. Their first point is whole foods. Is everything on your plate whole foods? And then I start going down to a bit more um, protein. And for some people, like I generally do believe that if you're eating a diet that's 100, well, not 100%, like 90% whole foods, you will lose weight if you exercise. But look, for some people and some of my clients, you'll find you have to like. The word is reverse diet them. So for some of my clients, we'll try for ages being like, need to lose weight without counting calories. And I'm like, this is a lot of my older women clients who are like in their 50s, but some young people will find this as well. Essentially, their metabolism has just gotten so slow over time. And the problem is, is they're eating under their RMR. So their body is in starvation mode and they hold on to fat. So that is one of the biggest key points you need to look for with a client in terms of weight loss is are they eating too much or are they under eating? For some of my clients, as soon as we start bumping, and this is when I don't like doing the calorie counting things, but I do, we start bumping the calories up and they just start dropping weight like that. Like it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, have you so have you done much calorie counting with any of your clients yet, Ev? No. So, no. I, and, this, and the reason I don't is because at the moment I haven't even been doing the food side of things I've just been doing PT and there's been people Mm -hmm. who have wanted me to do meal plans but like you just said like you would not know by just handing over a meal plan all of the things that you just said so I just strongly believe unless you're actually on a consult basis with them I just don't think it's the right thing to do really ethically because you can't address everything like like you just said like you are Mm -hmm. able to see when you meet with them all those different things which ultimately determine the effectiveness of that program and that meal plan Mm -hmm. um so if I do it it'll be when I'm actually working with them um like probably doing one-on-one online um for the foreseeable future I don't think I'd be doing yeah in a clinic but yeah. yeah Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more though. Like it's definitely not my approach as well. Like I know some, that's, that's the thing, a lot of like from what I know, this is case by case, but I know a lot of dietitians and a lot of nutritionists out there will just go down the calorie counting track. And because you, at the end of the day, I do get it as well. So you have someone coming to you who desperately wants to lose weight and you also have to get, like get clients results, you know, like some start to help them see some sort of results somewhat early on like say the first month or so otherwise people start to lose interest so there's this catch thing where you have to give them enough for them to start getting results but then also not give them too much at once because then they get overwhelmed and they can't implement any of it um if that makes sense so you sometimes in a bit of a catch 22 because like i never Mm. really want to do calorie counting but some of my clients are just not losing weight and i'm like well they did they have come to me because they want to get results and that's like one of my my nutritionist bestie Ellie in Perth, who I do the podcast with, 
she um, and her and I both constantly conflicted because we're like, I don't really want to do a calorie counting plan because this isn't maintainable for the rest of their life. I don't want them to be dependent on me for the rest of their life to write a meal plan for them. But they're not losing weight, so what do we do? And that a lot of the time it is calorie counting. Less less than 50%, I would say. Yeah, and I think that's completely fine because you're actually taking that as a case-by-case basis. Some people's whole job, and it's like whatever floats your boat, but like their whole job is writing meal plans for people they never meet. And mm-hmm. to, and that's where I think like it, it is somewhat unethical. And that might sound dramatic to say that that's unethical, but for me, no, I know you if mean. you're giving somebody something that's not actually sustainable and you know that they're going to have to keep on relying on that, it's just, yeah, like you said, like, oh, I don't know, that just doesn't feel good for me. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I've actually just got heaps of questions come through, so I've got a few up here. Oh, really? Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Um, one of them is, do you need an accountant when you're starting a business? So um, for me, I find I don't like numbers. So I see value in putting, like I'd rather spend my time being creative and getting the stuff done that I really enjoy than spending days on my accounting side of things. So mm-hmm. I do pay an accountant um, to do that side of things just because it's so far out of my depth. And I'd rather outsource for that. And I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to outsource for certain things in the business, especially if it's going to free up a lot more time that you can put into the business, making more money or revenue, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think like for me, one of the things that I've done with um, Ebony May Health is I do this thing called Nourish and Brunch, which is an event. And I do all of those not for profit. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it, I think that would just be a headache, like being able to do the P&L for that and prove that that was yes. an actual not-for-profit. So yes. I, I do as well outsource that just because at the end of the day, like I don't think it's worth it. Like I would hate to be fined. Like Same. I'm not making, I, like it's literally a not-for-profit. Like I'm not making any money. So I'd rather like do that and do it right than get fined for and still not make any money. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I agree completely. Um, another one is, is all online better? Is all online better than face-to-face consulting? Um, so for me, I love that face-to-face. Like it's just I get a real like endorphin release from working with people and interacting with them, um, and I love having that option there. But at the same time, so that's why I run an in-person clinic because technically everything what we do as nutritionists, obviously different to PT. Well, not right now because a lot of PTs go online at the moment, um, but. <laughs> but usually like obviously as a PT it's not very easy to run an online it's not as easy I should say but where yeah. the nutritionist like literally everything I do can be done online and same with you yeah. but um I find it's really nice to be able to have that option of face-to-face but you've also got to see if it is is it like liable like is it worth spending money on renting a room or being a subcontractor somewhere should I just do it all online and should I just have the ability for people to meet in cafes um what about yourself? Yeah, well, so obviously as a PT, I'm doing them in person, but I also mm-hmm. then have the luxury that I I was working at a gym. Um, so I have those like clients at my fingertips. Like obviously I had to like get them, but when I work with people, it's because I work at that gym, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I don't think I would ever do training online. Um, but yeah, I guess like if I had been, then I'd still be doing it. So maybe that's something to think about. Um, (laughs) In terms of like consulting, um, I, like I said, I want to start doing the wellness and things like that. And I think that I would do like want to do one-on-one one one day, but like for people 
who don't want to, yeah, start paying rent or something like that. I think that it's a good start off point. Mm-hmm. And I also mm-hmm. want some sort of flexibility too. When you work as a PT, mm. hours are insane. Like you might, and then oh. sometimes like at the start, I was going to work five times a day, like different times a day. And I was like, this yeah. is ridiculous. So I think like flexibility would be really, really nice um, uh, in terms yeah, of I'd, online. PT hours is something that was never maybe, I was like, I didn't have to get up at 5 a.m. and then not getting home till 8 o'clock at night most days. I was like, oh, <laughs> but everyone's doing Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think one day ideally I would love to have my own practice and do, like, nutrition and um, yes. focus a lot on, like, pre and postnatal and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. obviously that would be face-to-face, but I can definitely see for the foreseeable future I think I want to start building a presence, like, majority online. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another one is what's the best way to get clients? What have you found so far? Um, mine's a bit different because it's at a gym. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just been more about, I guess, retention because people mm-hmm. like they go to that gym and then they, um, they see that you're a trainer and like, they just choose a trainer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm probably not the most helpful. What would you say? For me, also okay, so my clinic's inside a gym as well. So for me, I was just, like, getting clients, obviously just, like, talking to people. Um, and I got a lot of people just, like, I would send out emails to, like, all new members, just introducing myself to the club. And then, so I'm lucky I had that scope. But in saying that, I find I get so many clients through Instagram. Like, Instagram is amazing. Um, but I do, I am on there. Like, I hate looking <laughs> at how many hours I spend a week Instagram last week it was 35 hours and spent on Instagram for the week so that's like a person's like nine to five hours nearly you know like it's ridiculous how many hours I spend on there um but just showing up on there all the time and just giving one thing I've learned is give as much value as you possibly can over social media people trust you people want you but then like you know and showing your face and being real people trust you you're a real human and they want to come work with you and one thing I'll say is, like, anyone who I've ever gotten on a, like, a discovery call, like, after they've been like, oh, I'm interested in nutrition, can I book in for a consultation with you? Like, putting them onto one of my programs or working with them continuously is not a hard, like, I don't want to, the word sales is dirty, but, like, it's not a hard sell because they already trust me. They feel like they're knowing me. Like, one girl I jumped on a call with the other day on um, Skype, and she was like, oh, my God, it's actually you. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I followed you on Instagram for last year, and she was like, I like, love all your stuff. And she was just like, I just can't believe I'm getting to work with you now. And I was like, we make literally made my day. Um, but, yeah, people trust you and, um, and will want to work with you naturally a lot easier than, you know, someone, some random you've never spoken to before or, like, seen before, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And like you said in the first episode that we did, well, last episode, not the first one we did, like the part one of this, um, Mm -hmm. the importance of Instagram. um, But And the other key, I think, takeaway from what you just said is that that client followed you for a year. So it's Mm. people are in it for the – you've got to be in it for the long haul. Like people need that certain amount of exposure to somebody to develop that trust before they're about to fork over their hard-earned money for results. Yes. They like they say. I think it's like oh, I feel like I'm gonna make this number up because I'm really good at making things up. I feel like someone said to me once, "It's like you have to be exposed." Like the new way with advertising stuff, you have to be exposed to something. I think it's twenty times before you even show interest in something. If that makes sense. 
Like you even consider it. So like someone has to see your friggin' voice and face <laughs> at least 20 times or yourself pop up. And I always worry about spamming people on my Instagram. Like um, I'm always on Instagram story talking about something. And I'm always like, oh, oh no, I'm like spamming people too much. But I think it, it literally, it does work. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. I like that one. That was a good answer. Uh, thank you. Um, now another one was how do you de-stress when owning your own business? Do you want to answer that one? Uh, well, I think that, I think that, yeah, there's definitely things you can do to de-stress, but I think that there's different seasons and I feel like you'll agree with this, Percy. Like, yes. For example, like when I was doing Nourish and Brunch, like the week leading up to that, I was so unbelievably stressed. I got like the Mm -hmm. worst breakouts the week after and that's okay. Like you have to accept that Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. Like, honestly, I've never been that stressed in my whole life. Like university exams, year 12 exams were nothing compared to the stress. Um, One of the speakers of my event actually dropped out the day before. This is when all the bushfires were happening. Um, Some of the goodie bag stuff was like caught in between. Literally, there was a fire in between Melbourne and my hometown where the event was. And we were still getting stuff for the next day. Like it was so much stress. Um, so there's going to be times like that where you can't really, you know, I wasn't, if somebody had said, why don't you sit down and meditate? I probably would have punched them in the face. Um, so you have to sort of accept, <laughs> <laughs> you have to sort of accept that um, yeah. there's going to be those times where you're more stressed um, than non-stressed. And I think the other side of it too, I think because we're both like relatively young, it's like, it for me it's like it's not so much a stress but like that constant feeling like that you don't really have anybody to talk to about it so Mm. when people like when I was planning all of the Nourish and Brunch stuff or like when I put copious amounts of time into the podcast or into my Instagram you don't feel like you're seen by your peers because it's not Mm -hmm. the norm um Mm -hmm. and then that creates I mean that's not really relevant but like that to me creates quite a bit of stress because the way that I like to deal with stress is talking you know is feeling that connection with somebody venting sharing but people can Mm -hmm. only take so much of something that they can't relate to so when I'm telling my friends um like you know, oh my God, like I'm so stressed, like this one speaker is dropping out or like, oh my God, I'm so stressed, like this one person for the goodie bag so that they might not get it here until the day after. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's only so much that they can take and support you because they don't resonate. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing like we said in the first episode is building a network and also like how we have like really connected through, even though you're on the other side of the country, like we (laughs) are able to resonate with each other. So I think that for me, that's stress coping for me. Oh, 100%. Like, we feel like we've never met each other yet. We feel like, like we've, like, known each other our whole lives. It's so funny. We just, like, click straight away. That's why I love social media. <laughs> oh, 100%. Um, so bizarre that we haven't met. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I know. I say. Um, for me, de-stressing with only a business, like, literally I couldn't agree more with you. Sometimes there's just times that I'm seriously stressed. It just, like, had a massive influx of um, people joining up with me and I've got a million client plans to write. And or maybe I'm dealing with a lot of people who've got a lot of issues at the moment, you know, quite heavy, you know, just a lot of stuff going on and I just feel really stressed. Um, and I think one thing with um, being a female with running your own business is we're very emotional creatures. Um, well, I'll speak for myself here. <laughs> and um, it, it can be sometimes quite hard. Like I never ever bring my problems to work or ever like, you know, any, like I'm very professional in that sense. But sometimes a female, you know, it might be that time of the month and you might just feel really tired or maybe you're feeling a bit anxious or just for no reason at all. 
but sometimes it's really hard to then pull that away and show off as your bubbly self in business and I find that's one thing why I spend a lot of time in wellness like like you know doing things to be my best self is because I have to show up as my best self to my clients and I think sometimes that can be a little bit of a stress point sometimes because you're not always going to be your like you're not a robot at the end of the day and people understand that as well but I think sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a bit of pressure with that is like you know feeling like you do have to be on point all the time being your happy perky self being able to help them absolutely really well and you know always on your a-game um but in terms of de-stressing, like I find just having non-negotiables that I do every day, um, like taking 10 minutes out of my day for myself, like I go for a coast walk or I will just like lay on my bed and do nothing, um, do some tummy breathing. Like sometimes I couldn't agree more. I'd rather punch someone than do meditation. <laughs> um, I love that. Um, but, yeah, just really I think one of the biggest things is making sure you do something for yourself every day. And another one for me with de-stressing is I try not to touch my work on weekends. That's like my new rule. And sometimes I do work Saturdays, but I think just making – like I don't know how we did it in uni. Like you would have been the same with me. But you like work, studying, working like as many days of the week as you can, studying full-time. You literally are doing something every day. Like these days I'm like I can't do that. Like so I will make sure I have my weekends off. I don't touch it at all and I find that is a really good way to de-stress and maintain your enthusiasm um, and I guess like feeling towards your business if that makes sense like feeling good towards your business and what you do when you have that time away from it as well yeah 100% especially when it's such a passion-based thing like it's really sad you don't want to show up as a shell of yourself like you want to be there exuding your full passion Yes, I couldn't agree more. Well, I think that is all that we have time for because we both love going off on tangents. Um, (laughs) But we are going to answer the rest of these questions on an Instagram Live in the coming weeks. So if you have any more questions, feel free to DM either of us um, and then we can pop them in and we'll answer them all in the one spot. But thank you guys so much for asking those questions. And Kirsty, thank you so much for joining me again. Anytime. Thoroughly enjoyed today. We've got a million tangents, so it's always good to have you chat. Yeah. <laughs> oh likewise thank you so much i'll talk to you soon that's good have a good bye